0: Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks for Wednesday, December eleventh, twenty nineteen. My name is Jay Zawoski. It is Wednesday, December eleventh, twenty nineteen. I'm actually recording this the day it's posting for the first time ever because of a terrific Windows update that bricked my computer. Hopefully, it sounds okay. I'm not really sure. It took me about forty five minutes to get my computer up and running. So this will be an abbreviated version of Lockdown Blackhawks. It is twelve fifty five a.m. right now. I have to be up for work at six a.m so I'm glad I stayed up to watch the Hawks put forth a pathetic effort against the Vegas Golden Knights. A 5-1 loss where Corey Crawford was clearly frustrated at the end of the second period, slamming a stick, slamming the door, uh, seemingly had had enough from his Blackhawks teammates, and I think kind of that's where we were all at, right? Watching that game was very, very tough, and, uh, Boy, it's it's this up-and-down season where as soon as you start to feel okay about things, things go haywire. Before we get into all of it, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Always email lockedonblackhawks at gmail.com. The voicemail, 708-653-0572. You can follow me on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks and my personal account at jzawoski670. There you can check out the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast as well. My other podcast, I've been doing that one for five years uh all right so just a really frustrating game all around and, and it has to be qualified right and we can't lose sight of this and I know that we're so close to things that our emotions can get the best of us but the reality is the Blackhawks are playing without Duncan Keith without Andrew Shaw without Oli Mata without Drake Kajula and then Calvin DeHaan Left the game in the first period. Really bad news as far as that goes. He's already headed back to Chicago. Jeremy Cowton said, quote, not good when referring to the injury, and he did confirm it was the surgically repaired shoulder that he dealt with going into this season. So he re-injured that shoulder, uh, and you saw him head to the dressing room with urgency. That's never a good sign when a guy gets up and pretty much sprints off the ice into the locker room. You obviously know it's not a leg issue when you see that but really really a bad situation for the Blackhawks and for Calvin DeHaan and just not that you want Calvin DeHaan to get hurt anyway at any time there's never a good time for that obviously but the way the team is right now with the injuries they're dealing with this could not have happened at a worse time and it's difficult to not take this game and amplify it out to the to the entire season all right I'm going to do my best to not do that but if Calvin DeHaan's out for an extended period of time and Duncan Keith is not realistically close to coming back I don't want to see the Blackhawks go out and make a trade for a stay-at-home veteran defenseman just to just to kid themselves into staying in the race right because realistically It's not going to happen. They're second to last in the Western Conference with 30 points in 31 games. They're four points ahead of the LA Kings. And in yesterday's podcast, we talked about how, you know, they were only a couple points out of that last wild card spot. Well, now they're seven points out because Vegas got two and they got none. That's a four-point swing in the Hawks' race for the final wild card spot. And... You know, we're we're not halfway through the season yet, but I, I just I don't see how this is going to get better. And last week I talked about hope. My hopefulness was that Dylan Strome would come back, that Alex De would pick up his scoring pace and, and it looked good for a couple games. And I'm not saying it's not going to happen. They got they got blown out tonight. It's going to happen. But just to see the way they came out in this game, the start was okay right it was the first period was exciting there were some end-to-end chances but then the second period begins and it's flat and it's ugly and they're just getting outworked and outplayed and that's the thing it's one thing if it's just a loss or the bounces don't go their way or they're competing and it's not you know this was a bad effort guys weren't trying I tweeted during the game, this is a dead effort, top to bottom, aside from Corey Crawford. And he was the one guy you saw really get mad. And look, there were some Hawks that played okay. There were some guys that had decent games, numbers-wise, when you look at the possession, and things like that. There were some effective players out there. But overall, even those guys that played well, there's just no intensity. Everything with the Hawks is just so passive. And John Bujagras tweeted this. I think it was last week during the Bruins game. Like, why are the Hawks so easy to play against? You know, aside from Dennis Gilbert, there's not really anyone finishing checks. And even he, as the game was going on, was like, "What am, you know, what, what am I going to do here? We're getting toasted." I'm not gonna. I don't know. It was just one of those, one of the most frustrating games of the year. And again. Full acknowledgement, they were put in a bad spot with Calvin DeHaan going down early. Obviously, that's a bad thing. It's not a good situation. But if you're just reading the body language on the bench, it's not good. This is not good. And I don't know what they can do to fix it. I really don't see a realistic answer out there. Even if you were able to trade some of these veteran bad contracts right like what pipe dream world Brent Seabrook you're going to get back maybe a mid-level draft pick and you're probably going to have to give up an asset just to move the contract so while you're rid of the contract you're still Brent Seabrook is still one of the six best defensemen in the In the organization. Maybe he's fifth. Maybe he's sixth. Whatever you want to say. But they're better with him. Even at this stage of his career. They're better with him. So even if they are able. To move on from a deal. It's not going to improve the team right now. The Blackhawks have to hope. That now that they're in the situation they're in. That Boquist. Has to stay up the whole year and has to make a significant development defensively. They've got to hope that at the end of his college season this year or the start of next year, that Ian Mitchell is a plug-and-play, ready-to-go NHL player. They've got to hope Dennis Gilbert takes the next step. There's so many what-ifs now just to have the Hawks be competent. Again, don't want to over-project this game. And it's difficult. I know it's difficult. But they were in a really tough spot. This roster is not what they envisioned because of all the injuries, especially with the Han going down. The defense was put in a bad situation. So that is a valid excuse. But the effort they put forth in this game is not. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. The Hawks lose 5-1 to the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas. Uh, A solid first period, but things went downhill from there. As we do after every game, let's go over the game's pluses and minuses. First plus of the game for me comes to Corey Crawford. Despite giving up five goals, I think Corey Crawford played a fine game. I can't really blame him for any of the goals that were that were scored. He stopped 32 of 37 shots on goal, many of them difficult shots on goal. And he was the one guy playing with any sort of edge and any sort of fire in this game. So Corey Crawford, to me, gets a plus. I'm going to go ahead and give one to Kirby Doc, who I think had a pretty solid game as well. Uh, he's just sort of generally been passive this season. And I think part of it is he's very scared to make a mistake because if he does, he might sit on a bench for all but, you know, eight to 10 minutes. Last night he played 10 58 and, uh, generated 10 shot attempts for there were eight against him. It's not great. It's not a huge number, but there was some creative creativity happening from Kirby doc out there. Two shots on goal the other pluses they're hard to find they're really hard to find you know I think there were a couple guys who you know did try a little bit you know Dennis Gilbert had five hits and that's something he's always going to do he's always going to be towards the top in hits but you look at you know just the overall it's hard to find a lot of pluses in this game so I guess that means it's time to go to the minuses first minus goes to the Blackhawks power play and when you're playing shorthanded and you're up against it in a game you want to take advantage of these opportunities right this is where you can sort of catch up and make things even right if you're having trouble five on five you get a power play you're going to want to make it count and look no team scores in every power play but the Blackhawks did not have a shot on goal in any of their first three power plays that just can't happen. And, yeah, Dominic Kubelik scored a garbage time goal his eighth of the season. I don't remember him scoring eight goals, but he's got eight goals. And that was a power play goal. But, look, Pat Foley and Eddie Olczyk were saying it. You know, maybe it's time to shift up these lines a little bit. Give it a different look. And this is what we got frustrated with Joe Quinville about, right? Was the fact that he just gave power play time to the guys who he felt – you know on paper would be good at it well you know what maybe take jonathan taves off there for a minute put some guys out there that are going to keep it simple just for a game just to see what happens right i don't think ryan carpenter being on the power play full time and i'm not really advocating for that That's just an extreme example but how about zach smith Put him out there in front of the net. What can go wrong? It can't be worse. You can't do worse than zero shots and three power plays. Literally, you can't do worse than that. Put Kirby Dock out there. He was out there a little bit on the power play. Keep Boquist out there. Kid's moving the puck well. He had an assist in the game. But try, try different stuff. Try different stuff. The top line of Saad and Taves and Kublik isn't working. I'm sorry. Kubelik is not what we thought he was going to be. He's just a guy. I thought he was going to be a better goal scorer, a dynamic goal scorer. He's just not. Maybe he'll become one, but I don't see it. I don't see anything he does really well. He's got a nice shot. That's really about it from Dominic Kubelik. So I don't see anything really changing as far as that goes with him. He's not going to have a big offensive explosion. You've got to have Kane out there. You've got to have DeBrinkert out there. You've got to have Strom out there in my opinion. Taves makes sense cuz he wins faceoffs, but try different looks, try different combinations. No line on this team aside from Strom Kane, and DeBrinkert has really earned the right to just stay together by default. I don't know. A very frustrating game. And and I and, I, and I'm really frustrated about it. And I, it's really difficult to do these post game shows and not do them emotionally, right and and I try to do my best to stay aware of that. but does this team did they not realize the importance of this game? what happened to and, and maybe I'm maybe I'm an old guy right I'm turning 42 tomorrow. maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's the old in my day ah. but really when you are up against it when you're in a bad situation like a really important player like Calvin DeHaan goes down instead of just shrinking what happened to the old days in sports when teams would use that as a rallying point hey you know what this sucks but let's pull together and let's let's give this game everything we have and if we do that even if we lose we're going to feel good about it do you think any person in that Blackhawks locker room feels good about the game last night or feels good about the effort, you know, ah, uh, you know, They we lost 5-3, but, man, when DeHaan went down, we were all in a tough situation, but it was it was good to know we, we did the best we could and just came up a little bit short, and we'll figure it out next time. Now, no, no one in that locker room and no one in that plane right now can say, yeah, that was an honest effort, and we deserved a better fate. The only guy who deserved a better fate in this game was Corey Crawford. It's Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Zawoski with you here. Get in touch with the podcast, Blackhawks at gmail.com, Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. The voicemail, 708-653-0572. If you miss Tuesday's Talk Back Tuesday show, go back and listen. There's a lot of big picture questions in there. There's a lot of stuff that... Uh, warrants conversation that's not just because a new podcast has come out since Tuesday doesn't mean that Talk Back Tuesday is now invalid. It's a really good listen. I think it's the best podcast. I, I look forward to it every week because it gets me thinking about things that maybe I have left off or maybe I haven't spent enough time on and your questions have been outstanding. So go back, listen to those Talk Back Tuesday shows, and I think you'll enjoy them. Before we go down the numbers, because This game sucked. There's not a huge point in going down to numbers, but we'll do it anyway because we do and we stick to routine. A story surfaced today from NBC Sports Chicago, Charlie Romeliotis, great dude, one of my favorite reporters on the beat. Mark Bergevin, the Canadiens GM, was at the game on Sunday against Arizona scouting the Blackhawks. I told you guys a couple weeks ago that the Canadiens had been sniffing around the Blackhawks, for some time now. Like, basically the whole season. All the rumors say that the Canadians are looking for a left-handed defenseman. The Hawks have Olimata. Mata. They've got Eric Gustafson and a number of left-handed defensemen. I don't know who the Canadians are scouting. Uh, when I talk to my sources, they don't seem to know either. Uh, and they are in the organization. They would know. Left-handed defenseman for the Hawks. Dehan, Gilbert, Gustafson, Keith, Cuckoo, Mata. So it's not Duncan Keith. It's not only Mata because neither of those guys played on Sunday. Cuckoo did. Gustafson did. Gilbert did. Also, we've seen mark bergevin at games in rockford is mark bergevin looking at dennis gilbert i don't know but if you want to start connecting some dots and you want to think of trades close uh i don't know maybe that that keeps things interesting for a little while i'm all for any sort of shake up here from the smallest trade to firing the coach and gm i'm on board for any of it at this point so i'm bring it on um i, I just i have no idea what the hawks can realistically expect back for really anyone on their defense. I would think that, you know, aside from Connor Murphy, who's right-handed, not a ton of these guys have a lot of value. Gustafson, you know, I've said all year, wait till the deadline, see how things play out. But if, if, if Bergevin is really hard up to land Eric Gustafson, maybe he's willing to pay a little more. Maybe he'll give up a prospect. And it's not going to be Suzuki or Primo or anyone like that or Cole Caulfield, of course. But maybe they'll give up a decent prospect and a pick to get that defenseman they need. I don't know. It's it's something to keep an eye on. Um, I still don't think anything is imminent. I spoke to a source yesterday in the organization, and they said, yeah, it doesn't feel like anything's closed. I actually have a relationship with these people, so I said, hey. Uh, can I do my podcast or is a trade going to happen today? They're like, no, nah, I think you're safe. Go ahead. <laughs> so it's nice to have that sort of relationship with uh, sources in the organization, but uh, I don't think anything's close, and I wonder now with Dehan getting hurt if the Hawks are going to have to hold off on making any sort of deals because now they're another defenseman down. Something to keep an eye on as the season goes on. All right, let's go over the uh, possession numbers, and the crazy thing is the Blackhawks? Won the Corsi battle in this game. They won fifty point five three to 49.47, 48 shot attempts for forty seven, against the first period was the Blackhawks best, nineteen shot attempts for fourteen against, in the third period second period it was thirteen for sixteen against, in the third period it was sixteen for seventeen against. We look at the high danger scoring chances. The Golden Knights had nine. And the Blackhawks had 12. How is this possible? I don't don't know what game this was. Do you remember 12 high-danger chances for the Blackhawks? I sure as hell don't. But if if I didn't know the score of this game and I looked at this box score, I think it was at least a close game. Maybe the Hawks won. But like I say, all the time, advanced statistics are just a tool. They don't tell the whole story. And uh, it's something to look at, you know, and something to, yeah, all right, how do guys do, whatever. But more often than not, I would say they don't totally reflect how the game goes. Leaders in Corsi for the Hawks today, uh, number one, Eric Gustafson, 56.41. He was 22 attempts, 4-17 against Saad, 55.56. Actually, Sod, Doc, and Carpenter, all 55.56. Saad was 20-16. and 16. Dock and Carpenter were 10-8. Murphy, 54.76, 23-19 for him. Kane, Boquist, Kubalik, DeBrinket, Strom, Taves, Nylander, Dehan, all 50% or higher. DeHaan doesn't really count because he only played seven minutes or so. Last on the team was Dylan Secura, who I barely noticed in this game. Five shot attempts, four, 11 against when he was on the ice for the Blackhawks. He did not register a single statistic aside from a minus one. No shots, no shot attempts, no missed shots. Uh, pretty much a non-factor in his 11:02 of ice time. Not going to overly criticize Dylan Secura for his performance in this game. The entire team sucked. Uh, I'm glad he's up. I want to see him get a chance. He brings some speed. He brings some scoring ability, allegedly, even though he's not been able to score that first NHL goal. But I'm interested to see what Dylan Secura does. And look, at this point, give all these kids a look and find out what you have. All right, that's gonna do it for this edition of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you so much for listening. Ugh, what a frustrating evening, but I'm glad it's over. I will talk to you on Thursday. My birthday. My 42nd birthday. I'll be talking to you from a hotel room in Kenosha. <laughs> it's the road show goes on. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're doing a the score is doing a remote at the broadstop in Kenosha. On Friday morning and instead of driving from Homewood, Illinois to Kenosha, Wisconsin on a Friday morning, we're going to crash in a hotel the night before and I'll be doing a podcast from the hotel room after the Blackhawks take on the Arizona Coyotes. So uh, we'll do a a preview of that game uh, on Thursday and then Friday will be the post game. You'll hear that on Friday morning, but uh, it's going to be an exciting week for me here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. We will talk to you on Thursday. My name is Jay Zawoski. Have a great day. Hopefully it's better than my night went last night.